you know, life can be deep, but God is greater and higher and He's faithful. No matter what you go through, the good, the bad, the ugly, He meets you at every twist and every turn. And in those moments when you've got questions and you have no answers, there's one big answer that will never change, and that is God is faithful. He's always there. And all you got to do is call. No matter what the situation, no matter what the mistake, no matter what the failing, no matter your brokenness, he's there. He promises to be there. He promises to be faithful, to pick up all the pieces, to collect your tears in a bottle and wash you with them and bring restoration into your life. So hold on, my friend. Hope is just a prayer away. So never give up. Never give in. Dare to believe. One more time, because he's faithful. Hang in there, my friend. Your blessing's just ahead. You might not see it. You might not feel it. But all you got to do is know that if God is in front of you, the blessing is right there. So reach out, reach out to him. Cause in him, everything you're looking for is right in the center of his heart. And all you gotta do is run into the center of it and let him surround you with his goodness and his grace and his mercy. He just keeps pouring it out fresh every day, waiting for you to receive it. So walk with open hands. Be willing to receive. No, you don't deserve it. None of us do. <laughs> but that's why Jesus came. To bridge the gap between you and God and give you everything you don't deserve. His love, his mercy, his grace, his goodness, his blessings. All of your dreams come true. <laughs> it's not about you. It's about what he wants to do in you to glorify himself. Yeah, he wants to show off. He wants to use you and to show out, to show the world who he is in your life. So, have faith. Open your hands. Open your heart. Epitha. Be open. Believe. Know that his love overcomes everything in your life. So stand fast and trust Him. Trust Him to bring you through whatever it is that you're struggling with right now. Because He's faithful, my friend. I know. I'm a living witness. You can be too. Hi, welcome to Life Talk. So you know, whenever you watch that people come in and out of my home, Sometimes I grab people off the street, but <laughs> not today. Actually, 
This young lady sitting next to me is a friend of a friend. I had my friend Dwayne in Chicago who called me up and said, hey, I've got a friend coming to Ghana. You guys would really hit it off. You need to meet her. And you know what? He was right. So here we are together after a day of shopping. She discloses to me that she's written this book. So I said, okay, got to get you to sit down and talk to us about this. So you've gone from journalism to social work to working at St. Sabina. I love that man. Oh, yes, he was amazing. And um, so you did work there, and then you wrote a book. So I want to hear a little bit about your journey and what kind of made your heart set on fire about the things that you're doing now. Sure. Well, first, thank you for having me on the show. I've loved oh, you so I forgot to, to say her name is Jocelyn Jones. Oh, yes, I'm Jocelyn Jones. <laughs> <laughs> yes, and thank you for having me. I've loved Michelle. She was actually one of the first authors who I followed as a teenager, so a uh, throwback fan of Michelle. But, yes, so I'm excited to be here. So now you all know how old I am. Although she's still Looking very young. Good. Yes, very young. But, uh, yeah, so I went to school for journalism. I wanted to be the next Oprah. So I focused on broadcast journalism, worked for Channel 20, which is the PBS affiliate in Chicago. But I felt the... the PBS is public broadcast system. Public broadcast system. So I enjoyed working in television, but I felt the draw to be more in the community. So I decided to go back to school, focus on getting my degree in social work, and I had the opportunity to start working in my church, St. Sabina, which is very active in the community. And so I worked as a violence prevention manager and eventually became the executive director of our community center, where we service hundreds of youth each year on the south side of Chicago. So very fulfilling work, and I worked there for 11 years. But, again, after my uh, 10th year working there, I felt the pull to do more because I realized that there were so many young people and adults who I was working with who were feeling unfulfilled, was dealing with so much pain, was stuck in their past, and I really wanted to start shifting into ministry to help people to find healing from the trauma and pain of their past. And so, this past year, I stepped out on faith and started my own ministry called Faith on the Journey to help people to embrace their journey in life. And I also decided to write this book called Breaking the Power of the Mass, <laughs> which really touches on the fact that so many of us have mastered the art of wearing a mask. Mm, you know what mask oh, I'm talking yeah. about. Like, oh, I'm too blessed to be stressed, or, you know, I'm, I'm fine, everything's okay. That but church face. That church How face. How you doing? I'm, I'm fine. No, you're not your toe up from the floor up. Yeah, got a whole lot of mess happening. Mm -hmm. And so people, they have learned to do that because oftentimes people honestly don't care. We're very self-centered individuals, yeah. you know, so the fact that people have learned to, to wear this mask and not actually deal with the issues inside, like shame, unforgiveness, guilt, all these things that are tearing them up and causing them to be stuck. And I wanted to you know, write a book to say, okay, now you can go through life pretending like everything's okay, but you will never have a life that's fulfilling and full of purpose and God didn't mean us God didn't mean for us to walk around fronting and pretending our entire life. He wants us to be whole and healed. And so I wrote this book to address that, to talk about the process of walking things out, confronting the issues that have held us captive so we can experience that healing that God has for us. And so that's what the book's about. You know, I gotta back up because you said that you worked at a youth center. And uh, the moment you said that, I had a flashback 
when I worked at a youth center in Michigan. Um, that was my job when I was a teenager, my part-time job. But it was the craziest place. <laughs> I remember the day that someone came into the center brandishing a gun and everybody was running for cover, including me, diving under a table while on the other side I was waving and saying, Ricky, put that gun down, put that gun down. Mm -hmm. You know, and I, but I was too young at that time to be able to unpack what was going on with the youth there. I, it was just a job to me. And so I really admire when people get in the trenches because we do have a lot of, of troubled youth. Um, there's so much. I wouldn't even want to be a young person in this day and age. The, the stress, uh, the things that they encounter at school. Um, and it's funny that he had a gun at that time because that wasn't where I, we were mentally at the time. Now it seems to be like an everyday occurrence. But even back then, you could see it revving up in certain neighborhoods, perhaps, um, where there just wasn't that uh, childhood as you like to think of childhood. I think that a lot of children have been robbed of their childhood uh, in this generation. And I just, so for people who decide to work in those environments, I, I have a lot of respect for them. It, it was fulfilling work, but it was very challenging to see some of the issues that young people are dealing with that they shouldn't have to. You know, the fact that many of them feel like they have to be the man of the household, or many of them have lost so many people to gun violence, especially in the city of Chicago. I remember talking to a young woman who, at the time, she was probably about 16 years old, and I was asking her, how was she doing with the recent loss of a friend to gun violence? Because she, she wouldn't cry. And she said, if I cried every time I lost a loved one to gun violence, I'd be crying all the time. So I've learned not to cry anymore. Wow. And the reality is so many of our young people, they're not dealing with PTSD. That's as if the, the trauma that they're dealing with has passed. It's present traumatic stress, right? It's happening every day. The fact that many young people, they hear gunshots on a regular basis. And even in the media in Chicago, it seems like we've been desensitized to the shootings that are taking place. Mm -hmm. There was a shooting just last month of 13 people in a, in a house, and it's, it didn't even get that type of media coverage because all of a sudden it seems like this is a normal thing in Chicago. Wow. When does people dying to gun violence become normal? Right. You know, so it, it is tough work that we're dealing with, and I cannot imagine being a young person growing up in Chicago right now, or in so many places in the United States. Because I remember I moved from uh, Barbados to the States. I was in Michigan, and I was um, I was bullied as, as a child in school. And I hated getting up to go to school in the morning because like, oh, who's going to pick on me today kind of thing. And I, now when I look back at it, I think that was just really mild. I mean, you don't know if you'll get out of school alive these days. Yes, yes, it's a totally different thing. And so our young people, I've learned, they just need someone to really say, I'm, I'm here with you, I believe in you, I understand that you've got a lot going on, so I'm not going to give up on you. Mm -hmm. And just walking things out with them and letting them know that I do believe that you have a future worth fighting for gives the young people we work with the, the courage to keep going. Well, back to your book, Breaking the Power of the Mask. Um, you have the, the subtitle, Discover Healing, Freedom, and Joy on Your Journey with God. Um, on your journey with God. I, I have a tendency to feel that lately there's a disconnect between us and our journey. 
with God uh, as a body, uh, that the relationship that should be there really isn't there, which has really fragmented us and made it impossible for us to overcome a lot of things. And we're still there's still not an awareness that what we need is the journey, the relationship with God. How do you address that in your book? Well, I really speak about the, the fact that it's a process. That's why I chose the word journey, because we feel like, oh, can we get saved and we're supposed to have this like amazing revelation with God? No, it's a process. And there's going to be some times where you're not feeling anything when it comes to your communication with God. Sometimes you're going to backslide, but it doesn't matter in terms of his love for us. Right. And we have to be willing to accept that it's a process. And every day, even when it comes to healing from past trauma, past hurt, it's a process. And we have to embrace that. We're very impatient in so many areas of our life. We want everything right now. And even though God can do things miraculously right now in this moment, sometimes it's a process. And even though, even if you experience healing, you're going to constantly be growing day by day on your journey with God. Yeah. And so that's something I had to learn because someone who has always wanted to be perfect, which is something that is not possible to right. achieve. <laughs> I, I struggled with my relationship with God not being right. I felt like I should be in better communication with Him. I should have everything more, wanting uh, my worship to be better, wanting my my spiritual influence to be better. And I said, "Girl, you are okay. You're doing through that. It's, it's a journey. It's a process." And so that's something I had to learn. So that's why I wanted to use that word journey. Because you're addressing guilt, shame, agony, depression, anger, insecurity. Lots of different things that we use that mask to cover. Yes. We <laughs> we cover so much inside. And one thing that I've, I talk about in the book is that there's different masks that we wear. So, for instance, I mentioned that I struggle with perfectionism. And that is to hide different insecurities that I have. So I felt like I had to overcompensate in so many different areas of my life to hide different areas in my life where I was hurt or just weaknesses that I had to prove myself to feel love. And so sometimes it's a mask of perfectionism. Sometimes someone might be wearing a mask of uh, power and control where they're trying to hide the fact that they've been hurt so they want to exert their power on other people. And so they're controlling, they're angry, they're bitter. And there's different masks that people choose to wear. And so that's what we see on the outside, but underneath there's so many emotions that are unresolved. And that's what we have to get down to. We have to get to a place where we're willing to be vulnerable enough to say, hey, I've been hurt. Hey, I'm dealing with this. Hey, I'm struggling with this addiction. Hey, I'm not over this. And sometimes when we've dealt with certain things in our past, and we're like, and that's been five, 10 years ago, I should be over this by now. Yeah. Many of us feel like that, mm -hmm. but it's okay that you're not over it. Is it okay? It is okay. Are you sure? It is okay. <laughs> it's okay. And, and, I mean, and, and that's the and that's reality. And the fact that if you had something happen to you and then you bury it right away and never deal with it 10 years later, it will still be there and it'll still be that fresh. Yeah. And so but we do that in the name of survival. I mean, some okay. people that's are true. like, you know what? If I stop to deal with this now, I might fall apart and never get back up. And so we do a lot of stuffing. That's true, and honestly, our body does that to protect us. You, you're, you're right on. But at some point, we we have to address what's happened to us. And I, I approach it in this book not just from a spiritual standpoint, but also from a standpoint of we need counseling, we need support in certain areas. And 
certain communities, including our own, the African American community, we think counseling is taboo. Like something's wrong with you to say, I need help. I think it's African. African. You know, I, I find that Ghanaians, uh, mm -hmm. you know, are people who they don't talk, they don't like to confront, uh, they'll smile and not say anything, but there's a lot behind the eyes. Um, and I think that it's, it's cultural, that it's transcended uh, the continent to wherever we are. Uh, that there is this pushing down of things and uh, the pride is involved and uh, I know I can't do counseling that's exposing myself uh, and being the fear of vulnerability of, of just even making those weaknesses known. Mm -hmm. It is scary, yeah. to be honest, especially when you are in a place of influence, leadership, you've had this persona, so people are afraid of showing that weakness. But at the end of the day, if you continue to carry, wear this mask, but you're carrying depression and anxiety and shame with you, that weighs you down and that yeah. can be crippling. Mm -hmm. So it's time to face it. And that's, that's the thing. That's what I'm pushing people to do, to say, okay, you don't have to broadcast your stuff to the world. I'm not even saying that. I'm saying find people who you trust, who care about you, and allow them to be there for you and love you in that space, even in your brokenness, even with your insecurities, and say, hey, we're going to walk there with you. We're going to support you, whatever you're dealing with, to get the help you need, and know that God is also there to help you and walk with you on that journey. That program, so we had a 12-day uh, tour in Ghana, and it's been an amazing experience. We uh, visited the Cape Coast Castle, uh, we visited the Last Bath, we visited the place where they made uh, Kete Cloth, and it's, it's been Kamasi. It's been wonderful, and the food here is so good. We're going to move just over to right? <laughs> I need that recipe in my life. So. <laughs> for jollof rice, I don't care what the Nigerians say. <laughs> you know, that's a big contest that we have. Oh, really? Whose rice is the best, but... Yeah. It's, it's pretty good. It's pretty good. It's pretty good. So, <laughs> so I've been enjoying the food, the culture, everyone's been so friendly. And I really do feel like I'm at home here. So I'm just thankful for this experience. I probably will be in tears a little bit. So what was the biggest surprise for you? Um, I would say when I would walk into a shop and there would be like five people approaching me saying, sister, would you like to buy some this? Would you like to buy this? Would you like to buy this? It was a little overwhelming because I was not ready for five people to talk to me at the same time. <laughs> but, it, but it was also a great experience just to see how creative people are and how things are actually made and the, the care that's put into everything that is provided. So I enjoyed it. So we went shopping. We had a good time. We sure did. Did you find anything? I found more than a few things. I think I got in a little bit of trouble, but it's okay. It's not every day I'm in Ghana. And they were reasonable. Yes, they were. It was beautiful. I said for a great price. Yes, people are going to be very jealous of me back at home. So, what would you say is, say you were talking with the Minister of Tourism or someone in a here. Um, any suggestions for the way forward or were you, there any thoughts or things that came to mind for you where you were like, they need to make this happen here or... Hmm. 
to think about that. I think there's so much more to see in me being here for only 12 days, or I haven't even been here 12 days yet. It's hard to assess. But I will say uh, that the experience on the roads has been different here. So uh, maybe just help, help, helping us to better navigate the roads would be uh, something that they can focus on. Even public transit for someone who's visiting. If I did not visit with my group, I would be lost out here. Now, thankfully, we have Uber. So yeah. that's a great thing. Do we have Uber and what? We have Lyft and what else do we have? We have a couple of those okay. um, services here. And we have what we call Chochos. Oh, we do. Uh, yeah, so I mean, I've never been on one. But, okay. <laughs> okay. but we okay. do have them. Okay. okay. And their taxis are plenty. So people get around, you know. Um, the roads are interesting because you can go from very smooth highway to still a dirt road. That's that right. eclectic mix of old and new that I think that they're still working on to, to get right. Especially if you start going further north, um, then you're you're back into pure country. You're not you're not in metropolis city anymore. Yes, yes, yeah. that took some getting used to, especially when uh, we hit one of those speed bumps and I flew. I was like. <laughs> for joining me today. I'd love to address whatever is on your mind on a broadcast. So why not email me at lifetalkmmh at gmail.com. Oh, and make sure you subscribe to my YouTube channel at Michelle McKinney Hammond. Like my fan page on Facebook at Michelle McKinney Hammond. And follow me on Instagram and Twitter at McKinney Hammond for even more inspiration. For your goodness and your grace wonders of your ways and the miracles you constantly amaze me with I'll testify to the glory of your name in you I will depend on your promises I'll stand so lift your hands and